are finishing up talking about how God has done something in our lives, and as He's as He has changed our lives, it it creates with inside of us the opportunity to share what He's done with others. And I'm oftentimes very skeptical when someone tells me that they've found something life changing. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker for infomercials, and I think I may have mentioned this before. I bought in vacuums and tools and um, exercise equipment on the TV, TV infomercials. And at this point, I've you know been disappointed with every purchase I've made off of an infomercial. And so my wife and I, we talked about we're never going to do this again. We're not going to buy any more infomercials. So I'm happy to tell you I've stuck with that since we've made that commitment. But I was sitting there on Thursday in the afternoon, and, uh, you know, I think the infomercial people know when to, 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 to put those things on. It's late at night, or, like, you know, you just get done with work, and you're tired, and you're kind of not, you're not on your game. So I turned the TV on, and sure enough, infomercial. And it really caught my attention. And it was called the Fine Multi-Master. I don't know if you've ever heard of this or seen this. Anybody seen this? The Multimaster. I'm like, yeah, see, nobody had heard of this. Well, but they're talking about it like it's this tool that everybody's heard of. And I'm like, am I the only guy that doesn't know about this thing? It's, it's a, a tool that eliminates, it's a specialty tool for carpentry and construction work, and it eliminates the need for circular saw, a reciprocating saw, a grinder, a sander, all these different kinds of saws that you'd need. And I like to work on... A, on flooring, tile and woodwork flooring. And, and so, you know, I was really caught my attention because that's what they were selling it for. You know, if you're into flooring, then you need this tool. And I'm like, man, I need that tool. I need that tool. And uh, it was amazing. It hooked me. You know, you know, they keep repeating the same thing like every six minutes. It's like the same thing all over again, the same people and the same commercials. Well, it hooked me for like a good half an hour. And um, I actually got my computer out because I was like, how, how come I've never heard of this? Because They've described it as, like, seriously, like it would change your life. Some of the things it would do, I just wanted to give you a heads up on this in case you're looking. Um, I don't work for them. I'm not making multi-level commission off this, so don't worry. But if you're trying to, you know, take grout out of tile, it'll do that for you. If you're trying to just cut tile up to a wall, it'll do that for you. And, you know, some of the tools that I have, you're kind of limited because when you want to cut real close to, to something, oftentimes the tool's just too large to get it in these crazy places. So you've got to use hand tools to cut away door jams. And anyway, one of the most interesting things about it is um, it, it's got like this smart sensor on it that if you, if you, you know, run it on your arm, it won't cut your arm off. Now, what kind of tool would you know, an electrical tool that can, you know, cut through concrete and, you know, pipe and all this can do that? You know, i never heard of one. So it's not something I want to test out on my children. Look, honey, it's a new tool. You can't cut the kids, but... But it's something that I was like, man, I really wanted to get this thing. Well, I looked it up online, and it was like still like three, $400 on eBay. But you know what? I know that if I were to buy it, there's going to be something disappointing about it. You know, it's, it's either a joke or a scam or something. Maybe not, but I'm oftentimes very skeptical when someone says, you know, this is going to pull your life together. And I think sometimes when we approach our relationship to God and a desire to share Him with others, we get this overwhelming sense of, I don't want to be a, a TV infomercial to people. I don't want to be that guy that's selling something who's, you know, who just looks down on everyone else, puts down everyone else, has the 
solution to life, but it does it in a, in a way and approaches it in a way that's extremely annoying and offensive to people. I don't want to be that guy. I don't know if you've thought about that, but I certainly have. I really, I think that there's some things in the Scriptures that we can learn from so that we can approach sharing our story in a way that actually makes sense and that, that would appeal to people and gives God's Word, it doesn't need our help, but you know, just gives God's Word the opportunity to impact people's lives as we brush shoulders with people. I wanted to look at a story where, Je- where Jesus... He, he comes up to, uh, he begins his public ministry, and he's, obviously the word is spreading about who he is and what he's doing, and he, um, he comes upon a couple of people who were listening to a guy named John the Baptist, and so you'll see this, we're going to read the story, and I'm going to look back at pieces of it and talk through this. So let's look at this together, it says in uh, John 135, it says, the next day John was there again with his, two of his disciples, this is John the Baptist, Jesus' Jesus's cousin, he's a a forerunner of Jesus who prepared people for Jesus' message. Okay, So he was getting people ready to hear about what God was going to do through Jesus Christ. So John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Now this phrase had very, very significant, uh, or this was very significant for the Jewish people who were awaiting the Messiah. But this, this term, the Lamb of God, Traditionally, you know, the Jews saw the lambs as a sacrificial animal that would be used to cover over their sins. And so he makes this great statement about him. Here's the Lamb of God. And then when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They started walking after him, it says. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. So they, they spent all this time with Jesus, okay? And then it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And then Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So he has this encounter and Andrew goes and brings his, his uh, brother, Peter, to meet Jesus. And then the next story, very similar. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets all wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So we're going to take a look at this passage and kind of talk about how God wants us to shine our light into the lives of others. We looked at that last week. But our nation is a nation that's swamped. It's just swamped with all kinds of religious ideas. And the one thing that is a sin to do in public is to actually have a definite idea of what religion ought to be. If you actually decide, you know, this is what I believe about something, that's almost like a sin 
in our society to actually nail down your religious beliefs. And because there's all sorts of different ideas promoted within, our, within the media and taught within our education system, so it's very difficult. There's a lot of pressure against those who would declare what they believe about God. And so it's very easy to think, well, since there's so many different opinions, so many different beliefs, then everything must be right. That's one way to approach it. Everything must be right. And if you were to say, no, not everything is right, I'm actually going to take a certain decision, then you're pegged as someone who's narrow-minded, as, you know, insensitive. But whenever a person comes to Jesus Christ, if you decide to come to Jesus Christ, or if you're thinking about that, you know, you probably, upon investigating what it meant to follow Jesus Christ, you probably had some different ideas that you came with. And over time, what has to happen is your ideas begin to evaporate as you begin to actually investigate for yourselves what the Bible actually says about Jesus Christ. Because if, if we just take all of our ideas and never be willing to let go of them, to look at the evidence itself, then what we, um, we, we have very little to stand on. And so, be, but because of all these different ideas, it's, it's very, very difficult to take a step and say, yeah, I, I believe this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to base my life on a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because you have the tension of the society we live in, not wanting to look narrow-minded, and then also all the ideas we bring. So there's just this tension we wrestle with of should, should, I, should I ever say anything about what I believe or is it more of a private matter? And at the time of this interaction, what we looked at in, in John, there, was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of religious ideas floating around like we have. There was some, but... By and large, there wasn't a lot of religious options within Israel. Okay? Most of the people in Israel had grown up in a nation that was built around the Scriptures, the Old Testament, and, and a biblical concept of who God was. And so they had been anticipating someone was, was going to come. God was sending someone, the Messiah, who would come and save God's people, who would deliver His people, who would hopefully put everything together, kind of pull together life, for the people of Israel. And then when Jesus came on the scene, he was not who they expected. He was not the guy they'd been waiting for. They, many people rejected him. They were looking for someone who was kind of be a conquering hero, someone who would kind of take charge of the nation, punish the Romans, just someone who would get things done. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he came as a, as a, as a servant. Not a ruler, but a servant. He didn't come as a, uh, a, you know, a strong-fisted individual like they wanted. They kind of wanted a Caesar. The Romans had their Caesars. They kind of wanted someone like that. But again, he was just a servant, a helper to people. And, and you know, remember when we elected Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, we thought, man, my governor can take your governor any day, you know. And and we thought, you know, he's just going to clean the house in Sacramento. He's going to. He's going to do things that nobody else... Because he's the Terminator. That's kind of the impression that, that they had hoped for with the Messiah, that he was just going to come in and he was going to clean house. And again, Jesus was just not who they'd expected him to be. You know, Jesus comes, and what does he do rather than kill? He dies. He dies to pay for the sin of God's people. Or all people. He dies. That's just not what they expected. So very often, 
you come to God with all your big ideas about who you want to follow and how you want God to be and work and act, and then He, he takes our big ideas and He does something different. He does life His way. He doesn't check in with us. He doesn't ask us for permission to work how He wants to work. He just he, he creates reality and he, he causes things to work in line with the way He's designed life. And so what we read in this passage is that you know, there are some people who are convinced about Jesus. So I want to look at five different things. The first thing is this. If you're wanting to share your story or, or if, if, if you're still mulling on what it means to follow Jesus, first thing is you need to be convinced about Jesus. You just need to, to be convinced about Him. That's, after all, what we see in the story. Andrew and Philip, they were convinced. They actually believed that He was God Himself. That Jesus is, not only were they convinced about Him, but this is what they believed. Jesus is the key to all reality. He's the key to all reality. When you're, they were realizing that they were dealing with someone who held the core of reality. He, he was in control of things. Also, the course of history rides on Jesus. They, they believed that things were going to change because of what Jesus was going to do. There were some things that, some lessons that we can learn from them in the way that they responded. In the way that they responded to the message of Jesus, the way it changed them, we can respond in the same way. If we'll see him as the key to reality, and if we believe that the course of history rides on him. There was a man named Paul, and he, he opposed the church. He went around killing Christians. He came to know Jesus Christ personally. And this is one of the things that he said about, about Jesus. He says, For God, for he set, has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Paul and those who were leaders in the church, they believed that Jesus was a man who appeared in history and who through his life, things would be different for all eternity. He, the future... Everything that would happen in time and eternity depends on this man. And so they believe it. And it began to shape the way they lived their lives. You see what happens with, with uh, the sharing. Peter and Nathaniel come to meet Jesus because they'd been introduced to him by their friends and family. There were some people who, con- who were convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, so they were willing to go and share that message with some other people. And again... We live in a country where that idea of sharing our faith is not very popular. And there's all sorts of ideas floating around in our culture about Christianity. And if you're not careful, if you don't watch it, we run the risk of becoming merely a fan of Jesus. Like he wants us to be in his fan club. You know, and put bumper stickers on our car, wear Christian t-shirts and attend rock concerts for him and listen to Christian radio stations. He just wants me to be his fan. You know, but Jesus is more than that. He wants to be more than just a fan. He wants to be the core of our lives. The one who leads our lives. Because reality works in line with Him. And if you miss Jesus, if you miss Him, you miss how reality really works. And so this is why it's so important that we connect with Jesus Christ. And not just become His fan. You know, not just try to fit into a culture of maybe what's acceptable within this church or within morality, you know, just for the sake of being good. But if you miss Jesus, you miss the core of all reality. So we need to be convinced about Him. And that's what you see. Andrew and Philip were convinced, so they shared. The next thing they did is this. They went to those that they value. That's what we need to do. Is If we're convinced of something, then we naturally 
we go and we share that with those that we value, the people that we love. Andrew's invitation. Andrew's invitation brings his brother Peter. And Philip's invitation brings his close friend Nathaniel. He introduces them to Jesus. Look at just John 1.41 and you see it again. It says, the first thing Andrew did was he went to tell his brother Simon and told him we found the Messiah. Okay, And then also in verse 45, Philip found Nathaniel and he told him. So this was just a natural thing. They went to people that they valued. Many of us here have relatives or we have people in our lives that we care about. And, you know, this is, those are the people that God wants you to share with. Not in a um, salesman type of way. But if it's something you're convinced of, then naturally He wants us to share with others. So that's why we're talking about... Um, you know, sharing with people for Easter, if you'd like to invite some folks, this is a great opportunity to invite friends, family. So another thing is, when you go to people, sometimes we're thinking, oh, I've got to convince people of the truth. I've got to have the greatest case and the greatest story. But if you look at what they did in this story, is they simply told them what they found. That's what God wants us to do, is tell people that you value, tell them what you found. Just share how God has made a difference in your life. Sometimes we stumble around trying to communicate the message about Jesus because we're trying to figure out, you know, if I say this, and if they say this, then I'm going to say this. And, you know, we, we get all into the arguments for trying to prove our faith and um, we forget about the fact that God has really changed our lives. And that's, that's, a, bit, that's a big piece of evidence for people. So hey, this is, I, I often think about how if we were to find something, you know, if we knew there was, there was hope, you've probably heard it compared to this. If you knew the cure to cancer or to AIDS and you were dying and then, you know, a doctor came and healed you of AIDS, you know, for you to keep it to, that, to yourself, that's, that's a pretty heartless thing to do. You're walking around in the hospital with people who are dying and you, you have the opportunity to help people, to introduce them to the person who's helped you. In a way, this is kind of what I think what is happening in the Scriptures is they're convinced of something. They go to the people they value and they simply tell them their story. Look at verse 41. He tells them, you know, we found the Messiah. Verse 45, you know, we found the one that Moses and the prophets talked about. You know, this is, this is real. God is doing what He said He was going to do. They don't create this big rational case. And so you don't need to beat people over the head. This is one of the things that really turns people off is if you go and you start trying to cram a message down their throat, beat them up with your Bible, you know. And but just share your own personal conclusions. Be humble about what you sh- what you share. And you may have never thought about this before, but one of the one of the best things you can do is to actually write down for yourself how has God changed my life? How has God made a difference in my life? Write that down. Put that in a paragraph and get comfortable with just saying what that actually means, what that looks like, so that as people come and say, hey, I noticed, I noticed something different in your life. I've, I've seen a change in your life. You don't have to try to stress out about trying to convince them, but you can share with them, you know what, you know, I, I came to know God through Jesus Christ, and here's some of the areas I've seen make a difference. He's really begun to change some things about the way I treat people. You know, he, he keeps saying that I'm supposed to love him and love other people, and and I've noticed I've been able to really, with his help, I've been able to love people that, that are unlovable. I've been able to relate to my family in a way that's really different than when 
the way I related to them in the past. But if you have some thoughts down about the changes that he's made in your life, it'll make it a lot easier for you just to share what you have really found. Another thing is you see in the story is they bring, they bring them close to Jesus. So we're to bring others close to check it out. He says, you know, hey, come. Come with me and see who Jesus really is. Peter does this. He comes and checks it out because he trusts his brother Andrew. Verses 41 and 42, it says, The first thing that Andrew did was to tell his brother Simon and tell him we found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So Peter comes to know Jesus. He comes to meet Jesus. This was a guy, Peter, that eventually would be one of the key leaders in the Christian church. And it's interesting just to see the way the message floated from life to life. It moved from person to person in a very natural, relational way. Now, Nathaniel was different. Nathaniel had some questions. Some of us will look at the life of another person and we say, you know what, whatever's working for him, I believe that. I'm, I'm willing to, to give it a shot for myself. But Nathaniel was like, I, I, I don't believe it. He was a skeptic. Nathaniel, it's interesting, Philip found Nathaniel and it says he told him, you know, we found the Messiah, the one that was talked about in the past, and then... Look at what, what Nathaniel asks. He says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nazareth was not a place that was like, you know, Hollywood or, the, you know, or, or Washington, D.C. or New York City where you might expect a star or a superstar to come from or someone who's going to save. You know, Nazareth was just not that kind of place. He's saying, from that ordinary town? You're saying that God's promised Messiah has come from that place? I, and then Philip says, you know, come and see. Just come and see. And you know, everyone who comes to Jesus Christ and who's investigating whether or not he wants to follow him has to come to the point where they make a personal decision either to respond to what God has said in the Scriptures, respond to his invitation to a new life, or to reject that. It's, it's, a, it's a personal thing. It's something that we have to all decide. Nobody can force us to do that. But you want to get people close so they can check it out. This is what you see in the story. So, we don't try to nail people down. The last thing is this. Jesus can prove himself. Jesus can prove himself. The great thing is, he gives us his privilege of being involved in this. He gives us a great opportunity to invite people, to get up close to people, and to share our story. But you know what? He can prove himself. And this takes a lot of pressure off of us when we think, you know what? I'm just not the, the best Bible scholar. I don't, you know, and what I'm not saying is, don't, don't, Dig into the scriptures for yourself. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if you don't know how to present the most convincing argument, it's really okay. It's good to get prepared. It's good to learn how to share with other people. But Jesus can prove himself to others. I think many times in college, when I first really decided to take God seriously, I thought, you know what? I've got to tell everybody, and they've got to make a decision right here, right now, or it ain't going to happen for them. Because this may be the only shot they get. What an arrogant statement to believe that I had that kind of power. So what I would do is I'd, I'd, I'd get people into my dorm room or my apartment, lock the door. I wouldn't lock the door, but I'd <laughs> you know, sit them down. I'd probably stand by the door, and I'd, I'd start telling them every, everything I could think about. You know, these, a lot of times they were foreign exchange students. And so most foreign exchange students are pretty kind, and so they won't, they won't cut you off and tell you to stop. But 
you know, I'd go on and on and on. You've got you to gotta decide to do this today, you know, because let me show you what, what God said in the Bible. And, and I'd show them everything, and I'd think, well, if they're going to understand that, then they need to know about this. And so I'd, well, you've got to start in Genesis then, and you've got to see how God made the world. And I'd start talking about how God made the world and then how, how man sinned originally in Genesis chapter 3. And then I'd, and then I'd look into... Well, God started this system to bring His people back to Him, and I hours and hours and hours of this kind of stuff to the point to where the, I realized, uh-oh, this guy is—he's <laughs> glossed over. You know, I remember one time we did that, my wife and I, and there was this poor little girl from the Czech Republic in our apartment till 2 a.m. We finally let her go, and, and she's still a good—you know, she's still a friend. And but we felt horrible because afterwards we realized, man, we really. We kind of beat her down with this thing because we wanted to do the convincing. But you know what, Jesus, he, he can really prove himself. Here's some things that he might do. He may open the hearts. Or he, just, he might just open someone's heart as they hear the gospel. This is what happened. There's a situation in the New Testament where Paul, one of the church leaders, he was explaining to a group of people in a Greek city. And look at, look at what happens here. It says, one of those that was listening was a woman named Lydia. She was not a Christian, okay? She was a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Okay? God did something miraculous inside of her to where she just irresistibly responded to him. And as I talk with some of you who've come to faith, you describe it this way. You know what? I, I just sensed this was the time to make that decision. I sensed God was saying, hey, it's, it's my time. And there was a pull on your heart. And that, that's, God can do that. God can just open your heart to His message. And as you're sharing with people, you can trust that the God who made that person you know, is, is very much involved in preparing their heart for that conversation you're having. So you don't have to do all the twisting and convincing and locking of doors and, and beating down with objects. I've since adjusted that approach because I realized that did, that didn't bear a lot of fruit. And um, God can open hearts. The second thing is this. He may also do the supernatural. This is what happened in Nathaniel's case. Nathaniel, now he's, Jesus can do the supernatural because he's God. 47 through 49 says, When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here's a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And Nathaniel said, Hey, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. See, he's saying, hey, I know I was there under the fig tree, but nobody was around, so how would you know I was sitting there? In this case, Jesus tells him something that was outside the realm of normal human knowledge because he's God, and he can do that. He can work in the supernatural realm. Biblical Christianity, if you'll study it for yourself, it really does make sense. But God can also do the supernatural. He can do something in your life. Um, People have come to know Christ because they've been healed from something. You know, they were sick and they, or they were dealing with something and then God healed them from it. He asked, you know, they'll ask Him for healing and people have not always been, but some people come in supernatural ways where God just sets them free from something and that's what God will use in their lives to draw them into a real relationship with Him. He doesn't have to do it, but He's God. He can do that. Another thing He may do is He may use the confirmation for, for I'm sorry, He may use scriptures to confirm it. You begin to line things up to where you begin to see in the Bible, wow, I see how this really fits with God's story. From the Old Testament, 
I see how Jesus really fits with this flow of what God's been doing. Acts 17.11, it says, Paul went to these people in Berea and says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness. And it says they examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They didn't just take what he said and say, okay, we're going to change our lives. But they actually examined for themselves what, what God you know, had said in the past. And they saw that Jesus, the message of Jesus, actually lined up with the prophecy that had been written from years past. You know, this was a group of people that began to cross-reference these things. Not all of us here are wired in that way where you need to see the evidence, but some of you here are. You, just, you, have, you have some thoughts. You have some intellectual barriers that may be keeping you from coming to know Jesus Christ. And what I would encourage you to do is not to just latch on to your argument and say, you know what, this is what I believe, period. But that you would take what you have and you'd be willing to set it aside to look at the evidence for yourself. Take the big ideas you have, set them aside, and be willing to let God speak to you through what He said in the Bible. And you might need someone to help you, but don't just latch onto the arguments that skeptics choose to latch onto without looking at the evidence. That's what these people did. They looked at the evidence for themselves. The last way that God may, may work is He may use the witness of the body. The body of Christ. He may use the cooperative efforts of Christians to change and to open people's hearts to His message. As Christians work together in unity and love, this is the key. As Christians work together, as people see you teaming up with each other, whether that's people in your small groups, discipleship groups, or just in relationships that form through the church, as you work together, it it sends a very, very powerful, undeniable message about the fact that God is real and He's changing our hearts. He's changing the way we do life. Look at what John seventeen twenty three says. I and them, this is Jesus, He's saying, I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, there's something happening when unity happens. There's something that is expressed in a very different way. As people come around our church, one of the things that we hope will happen is that people will see something different in the way that we relate to each other, in the way that we love and serve people, that people will be drawn to know God just by the way that His people are working together and loving each other. The Lord also says this in John chapter 13, verse 35. It says, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As we begin to treat each other in a loving way, as Christ has expressed that same love to us, it just sends a powerful message. So, we're not salesmen. Just to sum it up, we're not salesmen, but we're messengers. We tell what we've found. We simply share what God has done in our lives. And then people can decide what they're going to do with it. People can decide for themselves what they're going to do it. We're also helpers. We help people to understand People have questions. There are many, many people who are just like Nathaniel in this story. You know, he's like, I'm just not real sure about this Jesus character. Well, that's the role we can play. We can help people understand. And as they, we're not here to push, we're not here to nail people to the wall. But if you're going to try to be a help, then you've got to get to know God yourself. If you've never spent any time looking through the Scriptures and begun to develop a personal relationship, it's going to be really hard for you to share with people who are having a hard time understanding. So I encourage you 
to get to know God personally, to get to know Him on a regular basis, listen to what He has to say in the Bible and then respond back to Him in prayer and begin to apply the things that He's teaching you. That'll, that'll be a real tool as you try to help people understand. Also, we're bringers. We bring people into contact with God's people. You connect people to other Christians who take God seriously. That's, that's a key role that you can play, is to bring people around others who walk with God. That provides an additional testimony to the validity of God's truth. So let, let's just wrap up in prayer. I, I'd encourage you again to take Easter. This is one of those times where most people will not um, turn down an invitation to go to church. And so if you're looking, you've been praying for people, this is the one time where most people are very open to attend church. And so um, we've given you those cards in hopes that you would pass those out. Also tonight, did you mention that? Uh, tonight, if you'd like to help, we're actually passing out um, cards in the community. We're just going to send out pairs of people. And so if you'd like to help and you've got time around 4 o'clock, we're going to meet at, at my house. And then afterwards, we're going to have a barbecue. There's not like a twisting of the arm there to get you to come. But if you do go, you'll be hungry by the end. So we'll eat a barbecue together. But... Um, we have plenty of cars, and we're just going to hit different neighborhoods around and send out people to distribute for about an hour and a half. So let's, let's go to God and pray together. Father, thank you once again for your word. Thank you for how we get to see patterns of, of behavior, how we get to see our own lives and just get to see the, the flow of how your message moved and traveled from life to life. And God, there's people in our lives... That, that we really value. There's friends and family members that we know um, are not walking with you and that are looking for answers. And Lord, we pray. I just pray for them right now. I pray that you'd use us in a, in a very real and practical way. Help us to be obedient to you as we, as we just try to be messengers and helpers and bringers. God, thank you so much for the message that, uh, that Jesus loves us, that he's made a way for us to be forgiven and for us to discover the life that you've created us to live. God, help us to share our story with people around us, not in an annoying way or an offensive way, but God, in a way that is, makes sense to people and in a way that allows you to do your work in their hearts, God. We pray, God, if there's people here that are still processing what it means to follow you, God, I pray that they would um, examine for themselves the evidence that we see in the Bible and in the lives of other people because, God, you truly do work and you're real. And we thank you for what you're doing. We Again, we just continue to lift up your name as we sing these songs to you in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.